0: Okay, we are going to um, hear from God's Word again, and uh, we're in a series uh, in the book of James, so if you've got a Bible, open uh, to James chapter 3, and today we're looking at a small section, uh, verses 13 to 18. Yeah, so the book of James, it's all about real faith. So if you believe in Jesus, what will that look like in practice? What does real faith actually look like in practice? And that's what the book of James is all about. Uh, The underlying conviction is if you have real faith in Jesus, that faith will transform your life. You'll see uh, evidence of uh, that in a transformed life, a life of uh, love for God and love for neighbour. So we're going to learn another uh, another aspect of uh, real faith today, uh, which is to do with wisdom. So let's hear from God's Word. Verse 13. Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show uh, show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I think this is the word of God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that uh, we can listen to your word and we thank you, Father, that uh, you've given your Holy Spirit uh, to enlighten our minds so that we can understand what you're saying and to be able to examine our lives in light of it. We pray, Father, that you would give us uh, your wisdom to be able to see uh, where, where we are going astray, where we need to turn back. And we pray that you would lead us in the way everlasting. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, who here thinks that life is terribly complicated? Now, if you were to rate the most complicated aspect of life, what do you reckon would come out on top? I think it's fairly safe to say that the most complicated aspect of human existence is relationships. Relationships. So, you think about all of the troubles you've been through in life. Think about all of the things that have been frustrating, uh, the things that have caused you great turmoil. And, you know, apart from maybe a car breaking down or losing your phone or losing your wallet, most of the things that frustrate us, most of the things that cause deep stress, things that keep us awake at night, worrying. I would put it that most of the, these things are to do with relationships with other people, struggles with other people. Now, it might be in your marriage, it might be your, uh, your family, your in-laws, uh, it might be uh, in your workplace. You know, we talk about work struggles, but most work struggles are actually relationship struggles. Uh, we, we might have struggles at school or with our neighbours, especially when neighbours Play basketball until nearly midnight, last night, a party next door. It's very frustrating when you're trying to sleep. Or it could be struggles uh, in church or just in society at large. See the relationship struggles. These are the most complex aspects of human existence. And we all exist within this huge network of interactions, a huge, complicated And a very fragile network of interactions with other people. It's so easy for things to go wrong. And if we're going to live out real faith in the world, if we're going to live out real faith in the way that we interact with others, the one thing we need more than anything else is wisdom. We need the wisdom to know how to do that, the wisdom to apply God's word uh, to this area of life. And so we're going to think about that today from this passage. So wisdom, what is it? How do you know if you have it? And how do you get it? That's our three points. Let's look at that. First, what is wisdom? Uh, Well, notice when James asks in verse 13, who is wise and understanding among you? Uh, We might expect he's going to answer by saying, it's those who are really smart. It's those who... Uh, clever. You know, those who, who know lots of stuff and can, can explain things really well. You know, give good advice. In fact, if you watch um, popular movies, where do you go to to find wisdom? Okay, if you've got a really complicated problem. Where do you go to find wisdom? You go to the distant mountain or the faraway galaxy, and you find someone who is really old and really experienced and who has been sitting alone for many, many, many years in solitude, thinking, maybe stroking a long beard that's become very long because he's been there so, for such a long time. But apparently that's where you find wisdom. Because in our culture, wisdom is, is all about what you know. It's all about what you've experienced. It's all about uh, the ability to then explain that, even if you do get your sentence in a funny order. But see, James says that's not necessarily where you find wisdom. It's not about your intellectual capacity. It's not about how much experience you've had. It's not about how many books you've read or how many letters are attached to your name. If you want to see wisdom, if you want to know what wisdom is, look at what he says, verse thirteen Who is wise and understanding among you? By his what? Good conduct. Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. So he's telling us that wisdom it's not so much an intellectual quality, it's a lifestyle quality. It's how you live. Not just knowledge of facts; it's actually knowledge applied to life. Knowledge actually lived out. Wisdom is about the skill of living, living a good life. And so, if we just think that through a bit, <clears throat> you know, there's lots of uh, impressive people out there who who know a thing or two and uh, can can talk really well. You know, it used to be on the radio that if you wanted to hear wisdom, you'd tune in to uh, the radio and hear the uh, social commentators, uh, sometimes on TV. But these days, where do you go to find these sort of people? It's YouTube, TikTok, you know, these uh, platforms. And uh, these days, (coughs) YouTube can turn anyone into a guru. And the way that people determine who who is wise is the amount of views. (coughs) Sorry. (coughs) Uh, The amount of views you have, the amount of subscribers. That's how wisdom is measured today. And see, we can watch these these gurus on YouTube and listen to how they explain things. You know, they, they seem to be able to bring clarity to such thorny issues and we can watch that and go, wow, that, now there is a wise person and James would, James would say, no, 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 that doesn't prove anything. Okay? It's not about what you say. <clears throat> it's not about what you know. It's about how you live. Okay? Just, just because you've got a platform doesn't mean you're wise. That includes this platform right here. <laughs> you know, just because I'm saying lots of stuff, you know, don't just judge whether I'm wise based on what I say, on my sermons. If you want to know if I'm wise, what are you going to do? You're going to look at the way I live. In fact, if you really want to know, you go and ask Jasmine what I'm really like. Well, maybe not. That would embarrass her. Uh, see, it's easy to know lots of stuff. You can read books. You can, can have some intelligent things to say. But the issue is how you live, okay? Wisdom is about living. It's a skill of living well. The quality of your life, that's the real test. Now, what kind of life are we talking about? Well, if you have a look at verse 13 again, uh, notice there's two things that James says are key to wisdom, and that is good conduct and meekness. Good conduct and meekness. They're both tied to God. They're tied very closely to God, actually. So good conduct... Uh, good conduct, it refers to the pattern of your life. It's not talking about a good deed here and there, but the overall pattern of your life. And in James, what could James possibly mean by good conduct other than the two great commands? Now love God and love your neighbor. He's already told us that earlier in the letter. But this is the pattern for life. love God and love your neighbor. That's the way of wisdom. And the reason that's the way of wisdom is because that's how God has designed life to work. Okay, God made life work a certain way. He designed it to function in a particular way. And so when we go against God's design, okay, if we refuse to love God and refuse to love our neighbor, if we try to go a different way, it's kind of like ignoring the user manual of your car and trying to use your car in a way that it wasn't designed to be used. What ends up happening? It breaks or you die. Okay, It's like that with life. God designed it to function in a certain way, to love God, love our neighbor. when we don't do that, life breaks and then you die. So that's what it's getting at at with good conduct. Uh, This is how life was made to work. That's why it's wisdom. Uh, Wisdom is also characterized by meekness, which is just another word for humility. So uh, it's the opposite of uh, arrogance, the opposite of pride and self-seeking. But again, it's tied to God, because what is the heart of meekness? The heart of meekness is recognizing that there is a creator and that we are his creatures. And we are creatures with all the limitations that that implies. See, we we all instinctively know that the foolish person is the one who thinks they know everything. The person who thinks they are always right. Because that that is foolishness because how can you know everything and always be right unless you transcend time, you're everywhere at once, You know the past, the present, and the future all at once. That's the only way you can know everything and be everywhere and and, and be right all the time. But to do that, you would have to be God Himself. And we're not. We're just creatures, which means that we don't know everything. We never can. And therefore, we should have humility when it comes to understanding things. Uh, This is why a fool in the Bible, if you want a definition of a fool, the fool is not someone who's, you know, a little bit slow or a little bit intellectually challenged. The fool is the one who dismisses God from their life, the one who, who dismisses God from their thinking. The fool is the person who says, I make my own reality. The fool is the one who says, I decide what's right for me. No one tells me what to do, not even the one who designed my own life. And that's illustrated very powerfully. Uh, remember that story Jesus told about the rich man um, who, who was really successful in his farming business and he built these new big barns and he had so much wealth stored up that he took an early retirement and he was patting himself on the back saying, good good job, fella, you know, you've earned this. This is all your hard work. Okay, now sit back enjoy life, relax. And what happened? That very night, he died. And what was God's verdict on that man's life? You fool. You fool. Why? Because he gave no thought to eternity. He gave no thought to God, no thought to what's going to happen after death. He was just living for here and now. He was just living for himself, not even thinking about the bigger picture a fool and see, so none of us want to get to the end of our lives and stand before God and hear those words you fool what did you do with your life you fool and so we can see here good conduct meekness this is the heart of wisdom and and both of these tie it directly to God life under God uh, this is why it's impossible to have real wisdom without personally knowing the only wise God. This is why the beginning of wisdom is what? It's the fear of the Lord. Okay? Recognizing God's greatness and humbling ourselves before him. This is why when we read the passage, did you notice twice James calls wisdom, wisdom from above? Okay, This is God's wisdom that he's talking about. <clears throat> the wisdom of God our creator and so there you go wisdom what is it it's not about how smart you are it's the skill of living well in fact if you want a basic definition of wisdom if you're writing notes wisdom is the skill of living God's way there you go that's wisdom okay so the next question how do you know if you have it you know James asked the question who is wise and understanding among you how do you know if you, if, that, if that's you how do you know if you have wisdom? Well, this is where James is really helpful because when you read the rest of the passage, essentially he goes on to say, the way you know you have wisdom is you look at your relationships because that's where it's revealed. So you look at the, how, how he um, describes it in the rest of the passage. It says, if you have bitter jealousy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder of every, and every evil or vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Now, just notice what James is doing. He's setting before us two very different approaches to wisdom. In other words, two very different approaches to living life. And uh, one is from above, which is God's wisdom, and then one is from below, where James says it's earthly, unspiritual, even demonic. And so here's two very different ways of doing life. But clearly, the way to tell which one describes your life is to look at your relationships, okay? Look at the way you relate to other people because that's what James says. Every every description uh, he puts here uh, has to do with the way we relate uh, to other people. And he puts them side by side like this, almost like holding up two mirrors before us. And the idea is we're to look into both of these and to see which, which one can we see ourselves most clearly in, okay? Which one reveals your life, the wisdom from above or the wisdom from below. So let's first of all check out this wisdom from below. It's in verses 14 to 16, and uh, James describes it, or it's characterized, he says in verse 14, by bitter jealousy and selfish ambition, selfish ambition in your hearts. So he's talking about the lifestyle that operates under a particular motto, and the motto goes something like this. Life is about me and my needs. Well, life revolves around me and my needs. And so everything in life comes down to my preferences, my desires. Okay, everything that happens, every circumstance, every interaction, every conversation, it's always coming back to how am I feeling? How is this making me look? How am I doing? How am I being treated? Am I being respected? Am I being noticed? Am I being cared for? Okay, it's all about me and my needs. And bitter jealousy means we're doing all of that in competition with everyone else. So can you imagine a society like that where everyone's thinking me and my needs in competition with everyone, what will happen? (laughs) Exactly what we see in the world. Uh, So that's that's the wisdom from below. So what would be some telltale signs of this then? Consider these ones. Are you someone who has to have things done your way? You know, you can't handle uh, people having a different view. And when challenged by someone else, you don't reassess your opinion. Instead, you double down and convince yourself that you're right all the time. Uh, What about this one? Are you someone who can't handle being corrected, can't handle criticisms, Uh, You hate being contradicted. You have to win every argument. Are you someone who has no trouble creating conflict, but a lot of trouble when it comes to trying to resolve it? You'd much prefer just to write people off and avoid them, don't talk to them anymore, uh, rather than trying to do the hard work of of, uh, resolving a conflict. What about this one? Are you someone who can't do something kind for someone else unless it's noticed? Unless you are congratulated for it. Or this one, are you someone who you can't enjoy someone else's gifts or successes because they make you feel inferior? See, this is what James is getting at. This is the, the earthly wisdom, the unspiritual wisdom, you know, the wisdom that doesn't think about relation to God, even demonic. I mean, demonic sounds really scary, but what, what is demonic? What's that about? It's, that's just the influence of Satan trying to make you think the life is all about you. You know, forget God. Just live the way you want. That's what he did to Adam and Eve. Now, look at what this wisdom produces in verse 16. It says, for where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice... See, you can't live a selfish and competitive life for long without upsetting a, a, a lot of people around you, even hurting people around you. And so if, you, if you're living this way, the likely scenario is your marriage is a mess, your kids hate you, and you've got a big long list of people that you no longer associate with. Now, some of you are actually victims of this. Okay? So don't, don't hear when I say, if there's disorder in your life, that means it's all your fault. Because for some of you, that's not your fault. You're married to someone like that, or you've got someone like that in your family, and so you're feeling the effects of all that. But at the same time, let's not all play the victim. Because what's James doing? He's holding up this mirror and saying, hey, look, look into it. Maybe this is what, maybe you're seeing yourself more clearly than you've ever seen yourself before. Maybe this is what your life operates on, me and my needs. See, that's the wisdom from below. Now, let's, let's have a look into the other mirror. Okay, the wisdom from above. And that's in verse 17. Uh, let's, let's just work through it slowly. But the wisdom from above is first pure. And pure, that's talking about motives. And pure means free from contamination. So the contamination would be uh, the selfish ambition and um, jealousy. Uh, So a pure person is someone who's not driven by selfishness, not driven by uh, competitive spirit. Uh, Then peaceable. A peaceable person is someone who wants relationships to work, someone who goes out of their way to put the needs of others ahead of their own. Or if you're part of a community, you put the good of the community above your own interests. That's a peaceable person. A peaceable person doesn't settle for fights or conflicts. But Tries to fix them, you know, makes an effort to reconcile, uh, to forgive, and to unite. Uh, next, this this wisdom it's it's gentle. And gentle is, uh, well, gentle is the opposite of being demanding and pushy. A gentle person doesn't think in terms of my rights, but my obligations to others. A gentle person is willing to. To yield to others. Next is open to reason. Open to reason, that's someone who is approachable, someone who is teachable, someone who will consider the opinions of, of another person and evaluate them um, fair, in a fair way. Uh, and then we have full of good mercy, uh, sorry, full of mercy and good fruit, which means treating others kindly even when they don't deserve it. Impartial means to treat everyone equally. Uh, we actually heard a sermon about this a few weeks ago. Uh, impartial people aren't racist. Impartial people aren't prejudiced. Impartial people don't look at... Some people go, you know, you're not worth my time. I'm too important for you. That's, that's partiality. That's showing favouritism to certain people. Impartial people don't favour the people who are most like you. <laughs> And then finally, sincere. And that word sincere, it literally means without hypocrisy. So a sincere person is not two-faced. A sincere person is not one thing to one person and another thing to another. A sincere person is not one thing on Sunday and something different on Monday. And so here we have real wisdom. This is what it actually looks like. Okay, James is holding up a mirror saying, can you see yourself in this side? Is this what your life looks like? And he does sum it all up in verse 18 uh, by saying, a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. So there's the summary of true wisdom. It's someone who makes peace, a peacemaker. You know, Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be shown peace. And did you notice the farming metaphor in that verse? The, The sowing, the harvesting? So when you sow peace, when you live out, verse 17, it's like you're sowing the seeds of peace in your relationships, in the community. And what do you get? What over time springs up and grows? Righteousness. Righteousness. That's, that's everything good that God wants us to be as individuals and, a, and as a community. And so here we have these two very different ways of doing life. Two Types of wisdom, one from above, one from below. One is me and my needs first, the other one is God and others first. One is all inward and self-seeking, the other is outward and others seeking. And we can see that when you compare them, there really is a world of difference. One really is from above, one's from heaven, one really is from below, from the world and the devil. And... And where do you see it the most? Look at your relationships. Look at the way you treat others. Look at the way you interact with other people. That's where you see it. And so this is very practical. I mean, we're always saying this, James is so practical. (laughs) But it really is. Because all of us here are part of communities. We all have families. We all have, uh, well, we're all part of, Neighborhoods, You know, you all have neighbours unless you live in the middle of Australia. <laughs> um, we're all part of sporting clubs or hobby groups. Uh, we all exist in a world of people. And so the question we ought to be asking from this is what, you know, we ask ourselves, what is my contribution to all of these communities that I'm a part of? What is my contribution to my family? What is my contribution to my marriage? to my neighbourhood, to my uh, sporting club? You know, how how does your existence in those settings, how does that impact the people around you? Okay, is your existence in those communities leading to peace or is it leading to disorder? Uh, Is your uh, input, is it causing social building or social breakdown? and perhaps the most important um, community that we need to be thinking about here because of this very setting is what is your impact on this church community? Okay, how does your existence, your membership, your attendance, how does that impact this church community right here? Are you sowing peace or are you sowing disorder? Okay, are are you a wise person? Or are you a fool? So how are you going with all of this? This is classic James, isn't it? Remember the the sledgehammer in a china uh, cup? (laughs) Uh, How are you going? Where do you stand? Which one reveals you? Because I suspect that if we're actually honest with ourselves, we do see ourselves maybe in both mirrors to some degree, maybe a little bit more over here perhaps. And that is a problem because real faith, okay, if you have faith in Jesus, it does, it's not meant to make us two-sided people. At the start of James, he says, you, know, you shouldn't be a double-minded person or a two-faced person. It literally means two-souled, divided in your allegiance. We're not people of heaven and people of the world. And so the question we need to ask is, well, how do we get this kind of wisdom then? How do we become the people that verse 17 is describing? How do we get the wisdom from above? And of course, there's lots of ways we could answer that, because um, really the whole Bible is addressing that question. And there are whole books like Proverbs devoted to teaching you how to get wisdom. And so we can spend hours and hours unpacking all of these uh, details. But what I want to do today is just... Just ask the question, what is James contributing to that? What is this passage telling us about how we can actually go about getting wisdom so that this week, when we go about our lives, we're actually practicing exactly what this passage is saying? How do we get this wisdom? And well, what does James say? The main thing he says is that this wisdom comes down from above. Okay, twice he says that in verse 15 and verse 17. He says, this wisdom comes down from above. And that's not the first time James has said, well, talked about something coming down from above. If you have a look at chapter 1, verse 17, there it is. uh, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father. See, same language. And so if wisdom comes down from above and every good gift comes down from above, then you put those together and what do you you get? Wisdom is a gift that comes down from above. God gives his wisdom as a gift. And what is a gift? It's something that you can't earn. It's something that you don't work to achieve. It's something you can only have by receiving it as a gift. And so if wisdom is a gift from God, this is the greatest news there ever is because it means that anyone can have it. Anyone can get God's wisdom. It doesn't matter how smart you are. It doesn't matter how clever you are. It doesn't matter if you're good or bad because God gives his wisdom as a gift. Well, how do you receive it then? How do you receive his wisdom? Let me say two things. First of all, you need to admit your need for it. You must admit your need for it. See, uh, none of us are teachable until we admit that we don't have all the answers. And in the same way, we can't receive God's wisdom until we admit that we are fools, that we are stuck. This is why God's wisdom, it's always tied to humility because humility is the willingness to admit your flaws, the willingness to admit your need, that you're stuck that you are so prone to a self-centred life. Uh, it's the humility to admit that you actually need to be rescued uh, from your own selfish heart. And so, you know, to admit you need, like in practice, it works like this. Like let's say you do have a struggle at the moment with someone. There's a relationship struggle going on in your life. So how do, how do you deal with that? Well, are you looking for the kind of help that only God can give? Are you asking him for wisdom? Because that's what you need. That's the only way we can make relationships work is with God's wisdom. So are you asking for it? Are you admitting your need for it? But the other part of getting wisdom is not only do you need to admit your need, but you need to receive God's wisdom as a gift in a person. You must receive God's gift of wisdom in a person. And what do I mean by that? Well, when James says wisdom comes down from above and then he describes it in personal relation, relational terms, okay, he's not just telling us about something abstract. He's actually telling us about a someone. In fact, when you look at the one who truly came down from heaven, the one who literally came down from heaven, Jesus, when you look at his life, what do you see? You see verse 17 lived out perfectly all of the time. He was pure, he was peaceable, he was gentle, he was full of mercy and good fruit. Everything he did was about bringing peace, bringing people into God's peace. That's why uh, Colossians 2 verse 3 says, all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Christ. And so we see in his life, we see the peacemaker, we see the one who was selfless, who put the needs of others always ahead of his own. We see perfect wisdom personified in Jesus. And we see it not only in his life, but even more so in his death. Because he went to the cross, what was he doing? He was going there for us. He was going there to pay for our sin, for our selfishness, for our rivalry. All of that, all that punishment that we deserve for that, that was all put on Jesus. He died and paid for it in full. Why? So that you can be forgiven so that you can be restored to God. See, Jesus, he's the ultimate peacemaker. He makes peace between us and God through his death on the cross. And so the good news is that Jesus has actually come to save us from our foolishness. He's come to save us from the selfishness of our hearts and to restore us to friendship with God, to put us back into the the God-centered life that God created us to have, He came to set us free from just living for ourselves, to be able to live for something bigger. And so this is how you receive God's wisdom. The wisdom that comes down from above, it's to receive Jesus. It's to have him come into your life and rearrange it. It's to have Jesus as your your saviour, as your king, your master, it's to follow him, It's to listen to him, to obey him, to become like him. And as you do that day by day, hour by hour, in every little decision of life, in every moment, every struggle, every encounter with someone else, every interaction, in all of those little moments, as you turn to Jesus in them and say, help me to be the person you've saved me to be, you do that moment by moment, day by day, you become a person of wisdom. You become like Jesus, who is true wisdom. That's how you get it. And so again, we see real faith is faith that is lived out. And it's lived out in relationship with other people. It is relationship because it's about loving God and loving our neighbour. But to do that, you need wisdom. Here it is. It's in Jesus. So live out life in him. Well, let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your gift of grace that everything that is good, uh, everything that's valuable, everything that lasts forever is what comes down from above, a gift from heaven. And we thank you for the greatest gift, giving your only Son to be our Lord and Saviour. Oh, Father, we pray that we would uh, take hold of Jesus and everything that He is for us. We thank You that He, that all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are hidden in Him, and that our li- our whole lives can be just spent just uncovering more of these treasures. Father, we do pray that where we do have uh, deep struggles with other people, and we realise that it's 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 never just uh, a one-sided thing. Uh, that there's always things going on in our own hearts that. That make it even more complicated. Uh, We pray that you would free us, that you would begin uh, that work of untangling all of the um, the hard struggles that we have, and through that, Father, that we would uh, discover your wisdom and be able to start walking in a way, uh, living in a way that would would lead to peace. Uh, We do pray, Father, for those who are really struggling with this, that you would uh, minister to them and give them your grace.